Let me invite you to take your copy of the scriptures, God's holy word, and go to the book of Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 4. If you're using one of the Bibles provided in the seats there, it is page 977. Uh, There was one particular guest that I, I failed to acknowledge who is being a tremendous blessing to me and my wife this week and next. My mother-in-law is here uh, today, and you never want to neglect the mother-in-law. So <laughs> I, I have, uh, I don't even know where she's sitting. They're sitting at different, she's right there. There we go. So love you, mom. <laughs> Ephesians 4, she's being a huge blessing to Anuk and me right now. Ephesians 4, um, I'm going to start in verse 11. And we'll go through verse 16. It says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together with, by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the living God. Let us pray. Father, thank you that we can look at your holy word right now. And uh, Father, I do pray that as a result of us spending our time together this morning in this text and referencing others, that you would instruct us. Every person here is here by divine appointment. I firmly believe that. And we need this text. I need this text. And I pray that we would go through this by your spirit and in your power and that we would be encouraged from this time. This is what we ask of you, showing our complete and utter dependence on you for all things. In Christ's name, amen. There's uh, recently, I I know you cannot tell this, but recently uh, I have been going to the gym, okay? And uh, for a long time I used to tell people uh, that I had a gym membership. Careful not to say that I went to the gym, but I just said I have a gym membership. Um, but recently, uh, a friend uh, has uh, been helping me, and we've been meeting at the gym. And uh, at first, I thought he was wanting to really help me, uh, but now I just think he wants to inflict pain. 
and he is sadistic. Uh, but other than that, I, I do believe that uh, there's benefits of going to the gym. Last night I went to the gym, and as I was walking in there, I, 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 that familiar sound of that, that humming of the treadmills going, and, and, and you could hear you know, some guys grunting and then barbells falling to the floor. Uh, and, and so as I'm walking in, there are all these different sights and sounds and people, they're, they're going to the gym, and, and what are they doing there? Well, they're trying to build, okay? Some guys, they're trying to build muscles, and I mean, and, and they're on a good, good track to do that. I mean, I go up to the, the dumbbell uh, thing, and you know, I look at what dumbbells I'm going to get, and then, you know, this guy walks by, he's like, excuse me, you know, and then he just walks down. Surely, I'm thinking he's going to grab the ones next to mine. No, he goes down, and he gets these things that I would have to have two hands to pick up, you know, and he's just like, you know, look in the mirror, he's like, you know... Good day for a workout, you know? <laughs> um, he's building muscles. Some people, they're trying to build health. I mean, maybe it's not about muscles. It's about uh, health. They're trying to lose some weight. Um, that's me. Uh, some people are there to build self-confidence, maybe self-esteem or whatever. Uh, they're all trying to build something when they go to the gym. And a gym is a place where, you know, it's a, it's a place where everyone knows the equipment's there, the, the tools are there. They even have people that you can, you can pay to yell at you um, uh, when you're lifting weights uh, and, and to, to encourage you. Uh, this is what they have there. It's an environment around the idea of building. Now, uh, the illustration is going to break down, and I'm going to... I'm gonna, acknowledge that later on in the message, but we need to be a gym. We need to be a place where we are built up. We need to be a place where there's tools. We need a place where there's, this is where we can come and uh, we can uh, learn of God and we can be built. It is God's plan that Christians be edified by the church. We need to understand that. We understand that this whole church deal is not something that was just kind of made up by humans who needed a club to join or needed some social gatherings or needed some, uh, a social outlet. No, this is God's plan, and we must believe that. We must believe it earnestly because there are so many reasons not to go to church or not to be part of a church. And not to be an active participant in a local church. But, if, but with, according to the scriptures, if we're believers, then we are part of the church of God, the body of Christ. And, but it, it's one thing to be part of that. It's another thing to be an active part of that. And so my goal at the end of this message is simply this, is that we would have a greater appreciation for the church and that we would sense that we would deeply feel the need for us to be working, involved members of this church. This local church and then the church universal, okay? That's the goal, and I believe that from looking at this text, we can get there. We only have two points this morning. The first point is this. God's plan is for you to be edified by your spiritual leaders because it's important that, like I said, that we need to be edified by the church. So how does that happen? Well, in verse 12, it says here, in verse 11, he gave their gifts. God gave gifts to the church, apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. 
And here we have this, and we say that we all have spiritual leaders. All of us have spiritual leaders that we need to be benefiting from and that we need to be learning from. I have the privilege of serving as the main teaching pastor here at at Memorial, and I love that. But the fact of the matter is I still have spiritual leaders as well. All of us, we are part of the body, and we need to be learning from our spiritual leaders. So what are the responsibilities of these leaders here? It's important for us to know that they're there, but what are they supposed to be doing? Now, if you have an older translation of of the scriptures, uh, maybe like a King James Version, there is a comma in one of these verses that is not in the newer translations. And it's amazing how just a little comma can really change the meaning of a sentence. And I believe, actually, the comma, it shouldn't be there. In fact, if you go back to the original manuscripts, it's not there. If you look in verse 12, it says, This is why he gave these people to equip the saints. In older translations, you may have a comma right there. For the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so it appears that there is a threefold uh, a purpose for these spiritual leaders. Now, the, the, the downside of that, and the reason why I, I don't believe that's, that's possible, is because it puts the whole work, all of the work of the ministry, on the leaders. It would be that the leaders are to equip saints. The leaders are to do the work in the ministry. And the leaders are to build up the body of Christ. And that is inconsistent. Rather, with our newer translations, which there is no comma after the word saints, I believe that that is, that is correct. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. And so this, these are the responsibilities of your spiritual leaders. Your spiritual leaders should be equipping for the work of the ministry. And the reason, again, why this is important is because it puts the responsibility of the work of the ministry on all of us, not just on leaders. But the leaders, our responsibility is to be equipping people and to be giving uh, uh, tools and to be directing people's attention to what they need to know so that they can work, uh, 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 do the work of the ministry. The main idea is teaching. The main idea is imparting truth and encouragement here. And again, we can go back to that gym illustration and understand, like I said, people actually pay people to yell at them or to tell them that uh, uh, they're doing something wrong or they say things that no one else would say. For an illustration, the other day, a week or so, I'm doing these uh, ludicrous things called squats, okay? And I got this weight up here, and my friend looks at me, and he says, you need to stick your butt out more. That's why I'm here. It sticks out too much already. (laughs) And stop looking. (laughs) What? No, what was he saying? You're not doing it right. You're not doing this right. And he was right. And I needed to change my form, right? He was was coaching me. He was being a leader to me. Sometimes leaders need to say things that no one else would say to you. Now we need to do it in the spirit of love. We need to do it in the spirit of grace. And that is one of the roles of spiritual leaders is to help encourage and to draw our attention to what we're doing right and maybe what we're not doing right. And to have that. And so we need to understand that. And, and, and I have, like I said, I have spiritual leaders in, in my place, in, in my life. This is one of the reasons why I, uh, I believe firmly in the plurality of elders or the plurality of leaders in the church is because I have someone looking out for my soul. 
And I, we have another elder here, Wayne, who I routinely ask, you know, different questions of so that he can impart wisdom to me and I do the same to him and then we do that to each other. We need spiritual leaders to equip us for the work of the ministry. And so when your spiritual leaders are talking to you, how do you receive that? Now, again, there are oftentimes, and this is one of those messages, where there is almost no way to preach a message as a preacher without it seeming like it's self-promotion, okay? There, there's just no way. I, I mean, basically what I'm telling you right now is I am God's gift to you. That's really what I'm telling you right now, okay? Because that's what the text says. Now, I'm not saying what type of gift I am, okay? And sometimes gifts are re-gifted, okay? You be the determiner of that, okay? But what I am saying is that if we're going to be faithful to the text here, we need to understand that spiritual leaders are God's gift to us, okay? And they're for our benefit, and so how we relate to them, we understand gifts are flawed. We understand that, that there's weaknesses. We understand that, that, that there's, there's growth that needs to happen. We get that. But it is God's plan. According to this text here, if we're going to be faithful to text, if we're going to look at this text and be honest with it, we need to understand that God puts spiritual leaders into our lives to equip us, to equip us for the work of the ministry. And so this is our primary responsibility not that we shouldn't be doing the work of the ministry as well. Obviously, we should be. But we are to be equipping for the building up of the body of Christ. And we see that in verse 12 as well. And so, the responsibilities of spiritual leaders, we are to be edified by our spiritual leaders. We are to be equipped by them. And we do that so that not for our own personal benefit. We need to see this in this text because we live in a very individualistic society. And so the reason why we get built up, the reason why we come to church and get equipped is not for solely our own personal growth or for our own status. The reason why we come, according to Ephesians chapter 4, if we're going to be honest with the text, the reason why we get equipped, the reason why we come to church, the reason why we receive the teaching and we are built up is not for our own spiritual status, but for the building up of the body of Christ. And so that means we have to interact. That means there's no islands here. There are no islands here. That means no one operates solely for their own good or for their own benefit, but rather when we are built up, we are built up in the, for the purpose of ministering to other people and building the body of Christ. I don't know if you've ever been walking in the woods or anything and you come across a pond or something. Some of you are hunters and so you go out there and you come across these little pockets of water sometimes and sometimes you'll come up to there and you'll see that the water is stagnant and it smells and there's, and there's all these bugs and things like that. I generally try to avoid places like this. But So there's, there's this stagnant water there. Why is the water stagnant? The water's stagnant because there was input, but there was no output. The water stagnated because water came in and it just sat there. It didn't move on. Bodies of water that move through, it does not stagnate. And so we need to understand here that our giftedness and the reason why we are built up, when we are built up by our spiritual leaders, it's for the building up of the body of Christ. And so 
Week after week, some of you, week after week after week, you come to church and you listen to guys like me preach. And some of you at another assembly, some of you across the world, and you come week after week and you listen to someone preach and you listen to someone teach. And I ask the question, why? I ask the question, why? Why do you keep coming back? And I want you here, and I want you to come back and listen. But it's not so you sit down and say, that was a good sermon, and then move on with your life. No, the reason why we come week after week is because we recognize that we are insufficient in ourselves to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ. We come together so that we can minister to other people and influence other people for the purpose, for the purpose, not for Memorial Baptist church name, not for Damascus Road West name, but for the purpose of the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we come together week after week. And so come back. Be edified by your spiritual leaders. Listen to what they have to say. Like last week, be a Berean. Have your nose in the scripture. See if it matches. We want that. But don't just do it for intellectual props. Do it for the body of Christ. Build it up. That's why we come back week after week after week. God's plan is for us to be built up by spiritual leaders. Now, how do we know that this is happening? How do I, what are some benchmarks, if you will? Well, the text goes on. In verse 13, it says, We are to do this until we attain to the unity of the faith. The church needs to be being built up until there's unity in the faith, until there's unity in the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is a daunting list here, and we find in verse 13. The church should be eager to, main, to, eager to maintain unity. We saw that uh, we would see this if we had read it earlier in verse 3 of the same chapter. It says this. It says, eager to maintain the unity, to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Is that us? Does that characterize you as a person and us as a church? That we are eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That means we're long-suffering. That means we're forgiving. That means that if there's conflict, we're trying to work through it and we're trying to get there to a solution if we can. That means sometimes that we're not insisting on our own way and it means sometimes we stand for truth, but always with this idea of unity here. And we are to build this, we are to be equipped, and we are to do the work of the ministry, and we are to build up the body of Christ, do the work in ministry so we're building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of faith. Now, this is one of those things, you know, uh, there's a couple points in um, Mike's uh, Sunday school lesson this morning that uh, I thought, hmm, we're going to talk about this. And one of these is this, that there's an already not yet aspect to many concepts in the scriptures. We need to be seeing evidences of this, but we're not going to totally get this unity until we're in heaven. But right now, we need to be striving. We need to be easily edified by our church to the point that there is unity in the faith. Because I believe not being easily edified by our church is one of the reasons why there is not unity. When we come together insisting on our own personal preferences, that, that, is, that just kills unity. 
And so we sometimes need to set those things aside and now we need to encourage other people and try to make the, the church better. I get that and I support that 100%. But we need to be working towards unity of the faith. Also says unit, the church is to be attaining knowledge of Jesus. This is experiential knowledge of Jesus. I think of Philippians 3.10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Are we becoming, as a church, are we becoming more and more aware of who Jesus is? Do we know him experientially as a church? This is the benchmark of whether or not we're doing what we should be doing. And we are to be edified by this. And so we are to be people who are, are growing in our walk with God and growing in our understanding of God and sharing that with one another. Is Jesus real to you? Is he someone that, 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 that you love? Because the fact of the matter is, Jesus is our only and we've got to know him. He's got to be your best friend. It sounds so trite to say that. But it's true. We need to be able to talk about Jesus in, with just such freedom because we know him. You know, we, we, we tend to, we're not willing to talk about things, or most of us are not willing to talk about things we don't know. I mean, there's, there's, there's if I were to, if you were to ask me, you know, could you, um, you know, at 3 o'clock this afternoon, would you be willing to give an overview of the, the book of Acts? It would be a little daunting, but I'd say, man, I love that book. I, I've got 30 commentaries on just that book. I, I've studied, I've taught through several times. So, yeah, I, I could, you know, it won't be as polished, but I, I'd be happy to do that. But if you uh, asked me to, you know, give a lecture at 3 o'clock on, you know, thermonuclear something or another, you know, I, I, I would say, no, talk to Wayne. <laughs> Just throw Wayne under the bus. <laughs> that's the beauty of plurality. You know, that's his gift. You know, he's really gifted in that, you know. Actually, to make the illustration actually legitimate, if you were to ask me about investing, I would say, no, talk to Wayne. I mean, he studied this. He knows this stuff. Um, we tend to not, we're not willing to talk about something we really don't know. And so that leads me to ask the question, if you're not willing to talk about Jesus, is it because you really don't know him? You really, do you have an understanding? And this is, this is the benchmark of whether or not we're being edified, is are we learning more about Jesus of Nazareth and what he means to us and our hope and our salvation? And so... We are to do this. This is the benchmark until the knowledge of the Son of God becoming more uh, and more like Christ. This is head and heart knowledge. But then it says this. It says, the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Well, I mean, you know, you know, Paul, first of all, if you ever read any of Paul's letters, you know, trying to diagram his sentences are crazy because the guy does not know what a period is, okay? He just keeps going, okay? And to prove his point and to prove his point and to prove his point. And so here's one of the things he says, you need to do this until you're, you get unity. So you're like, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, that's going to be tough. Maybe we can do that. Until you know Jesus Christ. Ah, yeah, I mean, he's infinite, but yeah, you yeah, know, maybe we get, until you are like him, well, thanks, I can't do that. <laughs> or can we? Let's, let, let's think about this theologically for a second here. 
We are to attain spiritual maturity or Christ-likeness. It, this is written in, in, in the singular, okay? It says here, um, uh, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so it's the idea that we are becoming one body. This is one man that is being talked about here. This is not individualism. Individualism is a mark of immaturity. You need to understand that. Rather, here he's saying we all need to become more like Christ. That's why in verse 14 it uses the pronoun we. So this is really a beautiful message of the gospel right here. And let me unpack that for just a second here. This is a, what we see here is a beautiful message of the gospel. And this was the other point that Mike brought up in the adult discipleship hour that I wanted to bring up. And this is the word restoration. All of the gospel is about restoration. Now, let's, let's think about what we're being told here. We're being told here that we need to become to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We need to be like Christ. Now, Adam was born in the image of God. Adam, he, when he was formed, when, he, when God formed him, he formed him with the image of God. Now, remember what Satan said in the garden to Adam and Eve. He said that by sinning, that they would become more like God. He was saying that he had the formula to improve on what God had already given him. He, he was saying that, look, if you, you know, God does not want you to eat this because he knows that you will be like him. And so what he was saying, he was saying, look, I've got the formula. If you want to be more like God, if you want to be like God, I've got the formula. You just need to eat this fruit. And so what Satan was trying to say is he was deceiving them by saying, I know how you can be more like God. But instead, as you know the story from Genesis 3, they became more like Satan instead. And so they lost this, the fullness of the image of God on their life. We all still bear the image of God in a, in a corrupted sense because of our sinfulness, but there was that fullness there in the garden that was lost. Then God became man. Jesus came, he left heaven. He became a man. He lived a sinless life. He died an unjust death, and he rose from the dead. Why did he do this? It was because the gospel message is a message of restoration. Because when he became a man, he now made it possible by conquering sin, by conquering death, he made it possible that man can now regain the image of God to be Christ-like. And so it's all about restoration. Romans chapter 8, if you're taking notes, you want to write that reference down. That's a, a passage that talks all about the restoration that's going through. Even the earth is groaning to be renewed and restored. And so what we see here, we see what uh, it appears to us like it's, it's daunting, like it's impossible. How in the world can I come to the fullness as to where my stature is the fullness of Christ? How can I get there? Well, I tell you how we get there. One of the ways is that we're edified by the church. We're built up, and we learn about Christ, and we have a spirit of unity, and we grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is how we are edified by our church. This is the reason why it's important to be part of it, and we see God's plan of restoration being unfolded here. So the wonder of the gospel is that this original image that was once lost through the fall, is now progressively restored as individuals are made like Christ within the church's fellowship. That's the beauty of the gospel here. God is allowing man to regain 
and restore what was lost because of sin. This is what Christ has done for us. And we need to come together to build, build each other up because that's part of God's plan. So what are the results of this? The results are spiritual stability. In verse 14, it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, human coming, cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And so spiritual stability here. I don't know if you've re- realized this or not, but children tend to be fickle, okay? And they are easily duped, okay? The younger the kids are, the better the magician I am, okay? Um, you know, I, I used to do a little bit of magic, you know, you know, for whatever, you know, just for different ministry, youth ministry stuff and things like that. And, I, and it dawned on me one time, the younger my audience is, the better the magician I am. I mean, I can get away with anything, you know? I, I mean, I could say, you know, hey, I'm going to make my legs disappear, you know, no one's impressed. So it's because you're not kids, okay? It's because you're just like, that didn't make sense. <laughs> um, children are easily duped. Children are fickle. One minute, and their world is falling apart because they cannot watch whatever TV show it is. Okay, whatever show that is that they like to watch. I mean, this, this, their world is falling apart. And then you say, do you want a lollipop? And I mean, all of a sudden the show is not that important anymore. All right? And no, I'm not talking from personal experience um, <laughs> with Mia. But children are fickle, right? This is not what we want here. We want spiritual stability and spiritual maturity and spiritual growth here. And understand the emphasis here is on the body, not the individual. But in order for the body to be mature, the individuals that comprise the body must be mature. So the question is, are you helping a memorial be a mature congregation? Are you helping Damascus Road West be a mature congregation? These are the questions you need to ask yourself. And so are you coming and sitting and listening and getting equipped and so that you're helping the body grow? Or are you dead weight? That sounds pretty crass, I know, but it's a question that needs to be asked. It's a question I need to ask. Because simply being here is not enough. And being active isn't necessarily enough either. We need to be engaged in the person of Jesus Christ to be built up. And this is one of the roles of spiritual leaders is to help with that. But there's another inference in here, and actually more explicit in, in the second point here, and our final point is this. God's plan is for you to be edified by each other. God's plan is for you to be edified by each other. And we see this again earlier. We saw it in, in uh, uh, verse 7. We didn't read it, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So we have been given gifts so that we can do the work of the ministry. The, 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 the uh, spiritual leaders that God has put into our lives He's given to us so he can build us up and so that we can do the work of ministry and build the body of Christ and so we can help one another out. But also this, it says this in verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, 
from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each part working properly. And so your part of, you're a small part, and I'm a small part of a larger body here. Whatever church is your home church, you are part of that. And so you need, and I need, to be building each other up and edifying each other in the context of the church here. Because this is the reason why God has gathered us together. We come from all different backgrounds and all different walks of life. And it is by divine providence that we are here and part of the church. God has gifted you. You have gifts that I need. You have gifts that the person sitting next to you needs. They have gifts that you need. We need to really believe that. But the problem is, is that we swallowed a lot of contemporary understanding in culture is that I am an island to myself and I don't need anyone's help. I'm very individualistic. We talked about it with our deacons meeting yesterday, our leadership breakfast, and this subject came up about how we live in a very individualistic society. Do you really believe that you need someone's influence in your life? We do. We do. I need your influence. You need my influence. And the reason why I know that is because God has brought us together in one congregation. So, are you using your giftedness to build up the body of Christ here? And so the responsibilities of your fellow Christian are to speak the truth in love. Literally, this is truthing or doing truth. It's an action, not just speech here. And so we are to be people of the truth, and we are to let the truth change us. And then that is to go out from us. We are to be people of truth here. Speaking the truth in love, verse 15. Verse 16, proper use of giftedness. Our gifts were not given for our gratification, but for the interest of the church. And again, individualism is a mark of immaturity. Now, here's where the gym illustration breaks down. Well, I talked about going to the gym, and people are there to build up something. But people are there individually. There's not a common goal going on there. If you know that by the amount of headphones and earbuds that you see when you're there, Right? And there's nothing wrong with that because most times I have mine on too, and so I'm not judging you. If you go to the gym and, you know, you use earbuds, if you're taking that away from the message, you missed the point, okay? But it's very individualistic when you go to the gym. People are on the treadmill, people are doing whatever, and they got their own plan, their own way of doing things, and it's, you know, yeah, if you want to do that, that's fine. It's fine, no problem, but it's their own plan and their own goals. This is where that illustration breaks down because we don't have that in the church. We all have the same goal. That's to build up Jesus Christ, to build up the body of Jesus Christ, to magnify his name, and to introduce this world to Jesus of Nazareth, because that is their hope. And so we are to build one another up so that we are a congregation that is unified, and we are a congregation that is reaching out. We are a congregation that is building one another up and encouraging one another as we go through our pilgrimage on this earth. So how do we know that this is happening there's some benchmarks here. Well, there's a connection to Jesus Christ that we need to know that I, we need to say, okay, how am I ministering in the church? How am I ministering to others? Is it connected to Christ? Is Christ allowing, is the head guiding me here or am I doing my own thing? Am I, am I, am I, am I in an island to myself or, or is this part of God's plan here? There's a connection to Christ. We see in verse 15 and verse 16 there. 
We also see that there's visible love in verses 15 and 16. That there's, we're to speak the truth in love. And, that it, and then in verse 16, it builds itself up in love. One of the marks that we know that we are fully edifying others is if our actions are couched in love. If we see that whatever we do is surrounded in love. I mean, think about you know, some of the times we look at the, the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives or we look for that because that's the mark of whether or not we're being Christians. And I, and I get that. But, you know, throughout the scriptures, we see that there's uh, uh, people who say the greatest of these is love. And I really believe that to be true. I believe we need to be loving. And I believe we need to strive to be loving and, and, and understand that, that, that everything we do is loving. Think about the, that, those aspects of the fruit of the Spirit for a second. If you were to take love out of those things, you don't have those anymore. Because all of those things, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, all of that needs to be rooted in love. So maybe a way you can ask if you're building up the body of Christ is simply by looking around the room and asking yourself the question, do I love these people? Do I feel a need for these people to be in my life, my life? And, you know, and there's varying degrees of that. And there's personality conflicts. I get that. There's, there's differences and there's, and there's, you know, different ways of thinking and background. I get all that. But love covers a multitude of sin. You love one another. You need one another. You see, we are to be built up by each other you know, sometimes there's been some relationships that people have talked about, and they said, man, this person is a trial. And, you know, I've gone through There's been times in my life where there's someone in my life that it is, you know, we just do not see eye to eye in things, and it just seems like that they're just that thorn in the side. And, you know, sometimes you think, man, it'd be better if they just weren't there. But I don't think that's true. Because I believe that when God brings people like that into our lives, and now they may not be correct or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's to teach us something, though. It's to teach us to be more loving. It's to teach us to be more gracious. It's to teach us to build one another up. And maybe, maybe, just maybe God has that person in your life so that you can encourage them and you can build them up. You see, that's the inference in all this is that the two points I structured were how are you to be edified? But the inference in this is that you are to be edifying others as well. This is the work of the body of Christ working together here. So the results that we can expect are growth and greater love. We see in verse 16. The body grows so that it builds itself up in love. You know, it's not easy to love other people. People often say, I've heard pastors say, you know, I, the ministry is just the best job in the world. I'd love it except for the people, you know. Obviously, it's tongue-in-cheek. Um, it's sometimes difficult to love people, but, you know, that's what we're called to do. And, and I would ask this. If there's somebody in your life that you have a hard time loving, I would ask that you just pour out your heart before God and say, God, I need to love this person. Help me to love this person. Help me to show grace to this person. Help me to minister to this person. Help me to build this person up. I guarantee it, if, if we're all doing that, if we're all doing that, 
we're going to see growth. I don't know about numerics, and you know, that's up to God, but we're going to see maturity in, in our church here. And that's what we want. People are hard to love. I've said this before. One in three people are hard to love. So look to your left, look to your right, if you can love either one of them. <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but all of us at times are hard to love. And we need people to build us up in those moments. Who are we to keep that from others? So this morning, be easily edified by the church, by the spiritual leaders that God has built, that brought, and let's be edifying one another. Let's pray. Father, Father, we need to be building one another up. We need to be easily edified by the church. We're thankful for the church. We're thankful that this is your plan for us. This is how we are to be built up. We are to be here, involved in a church. Because we're, as if we're a believer in Christ, if we are a believer in Christ, we're part of the larger body. So, Father, I pray that we would, we would understand that. I pray that we would look at each other with love and seeking ways to actively build each other up. Father, would you please, would you please this week very specifically bring in our lives opportunities to show love to one another and to build one another up? Would you very specifically show us what our giftedness is and give us opportunities to use that? Probably, Father, the, the prayer should be open our eyes to see those opportunities that are, that are already there. So may we have eyes that are opened as we go through this next week of how we need to be edified by others and we need to edify others. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.